Gradually, after many years of success in business, Tom Corner realized his greatest contribution was not filling tables, crunching numbers, or managing a team. He realized it was waking people up to their true potential. And without realizing it, most people live their lives based on the expectations of others. And whether or not they admit it, most men and women feel stuck. Having done so himself, Tom Corner knows that most people compromise who they are meant to be and live lives of quiet desperation until one day it all falls apart. His drive to help awaken those who are sleepwalking through life makes Tom Corner the perfect guest today. As a seasoned radio and podcast guest and speaker, Tom Corner explores topics that others are often fearful of touching. His dream is to help people of all ages find their path in life. And without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hi, my name is Kirby Ingalls, and you're listening to the True Success Podcast. My goal is to help you find true success by helping you live a rich and satisfying life, a life of happiness and meaning, and becoming a pillar of your community. This podcast is designed to inspire you to write a new narrative, revolutionize the way we live, and create a ripple effect that resonates with future generations. All right, welcome back to the show, everybody. My name is Kirby Ingalls, and I'm here with Tom Corner. Tom specializes in helping accomplished men and women who've hit the wall of frustration to find a deep level of meaning and fulfillment. And that's why we have him on the show today. Tom. Uh, welcome to the show, and please tell us a little bit about yourself. Kirby, thanks for the opportunity to be here. I look forward to chatting with you, even though we've had pretty uh, pretty awesome dialogue already before this. But again, uh, my name is Tom Corner, and I am, uh, I always say I'm a regular guy just trying to make sense of my, my path, what it's all about. I am married. I have an amazing wife who's very loving and supportive and patient with the things that I do and writing my books. I have three amazing daughters who I consider my greatest teachers. And, um, you know, it's a matter of I'm, I'm, I'm a published author, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, five, five books working on my sixth. And it that's all part of the journey. The first book was something that I never thought I could do. And we talk about success and goal setting. And it's amazing how one day it just, it clicked. And I believe that's maybe an alignment thing. It's a belief thing. It's removing doubt. So I'm an author, but I have a long history and career, 20 years in financial services. I'm still engaged in that. Um, Prior to that, hospitality industry, but the common theme that I realized, Kirby, all along the way is I've I've always been in a role where I'm trying to impact somebody else's life or somebody else's lives Mm -hmm. and to make them better. And in making them better, hopefully that makes myself better. So it's really uplifting those around me, whether it was if I was planning an event 
or a wedding or a banquet or serving a meal to somebody years ago, that's could be an opportunity that could potentially leave a positive impact just for a moment. Or again, wedding planning is a lifetime thing. Financial services, helping people understand what it all means. But it's to me, it's always been about that positive impact on people. Um, and I'm still on my journey, which is great. Uh, it's always, if I believe that I know it all, then I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm stuck. I wouldn't say I failed, but that's a pretty big failure if I believe that I know it all. So I am always learning and I'm sharing my knowledge with people and I'm here to learn as well as I speak with you today. That was a pretty big intro. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Thanks for sharing the, all those insights into your life, you know, and your experiences up to this point. And it, it almost started sounding like a, 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 a philosophy, you know, on how to how to approach. And I think we'll probably dive a little bit deeper into all that. So uh, tell me, like, you've already kind of mentioned a little bit about the hospitality industry, being an author, even in the financial industry. But if you if you roll all that back and you go to the beginning, you know, every story has a beginning. Like, what did you think your life was going to be like when you got older? Still trying to answer that question. <laughs> it's a, You're a pretty young looking man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Jeez. Well, that's, you know what? That's a I mean, it really is a good question. It's, and actually, you know, Kirby, I, I, I'm not I, I'll, I'm, I'm going to be honest. It's scary. Mm -hmm. right and that's a part of i believe my journey and why i'm here talking to you is um that as i mentioned that that one common theme or element was just impacting lives of other people for the better yeah it can be whatever form or fashion and myself becoming better but um you know my daughters laugh <laughs> at me what they're in they're in uh, second grade, I'm losing track, second grade, sixth and eighth. And there's this, there's this art, there's, there's this, in second grade, I did uh, an art class. What are you going to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. It was an astronaut, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so I did this artwork. If I had a picture of it, actually, people would probably, <laughs> you'd probably fall off your seat. And it was just me being an astronaut. And it, it looks awful because my kids are very artistic and my daughter laughs at me. She's like, you did, that's all, that's, that's embarrassing. You want to be an astronaut and they're picking on me, mm -hmm. but that's the beauty of it. I wanted to be an astronaut. Yeah. Right. And here's, and so I'm going along on answering your question, but you know, I don't know. All, yeah. all I do know is it's, it's about uplifting others and, and being your true self and believing in yourself by and leaving ego to the side and embracing love. But to be an astronaut or to be something like that to me is an ego thing. And so as kids, we start out, we're feeding the ego and egos can egos. Okay. But it can be very, very detrimental. And so why didn't I become an astronaut? And I believe that's about what you're doing and what I'm doing is because for the most part, you want to be an astronaut. What do you think? What well, would not you, but what do, what would I think or anybody else? That's impossible. You'll never be an astronaut. And so that's the mindset of what do you want to be when you grow up? And we end up, I believe, falling into the expectations of everyone else because 
what I want to be, 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 I don't believe in. And other people say, you can't do it. And so where does that leave me? And I, and I truly believe that led me down this path to write my last book before the one that's coming up, because I did everything I was supposed to do Kirby. And I was dead inside. I, I mean, I was so lost. And most people, I believe, are honestly like that. But they don't know it. Or if they do, especially if you're a male, you don't know how to address it. And you can't come out and say, look, I'm hurting inside because you're not supposed to do that as a guy. Yeah. So you asked, my, you asked that question. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to be the man that I am today. That's who I wanted to be. I just didn't know what it would, who I, who I would be or what it would look like. And I'm still figuring that out. No, great answer. I, I, I do, I do value and appreciate, you know, you sharing that because it elicited a memory for me that I'd like to share with you. And you said second grade astronaut. Well, I was in second grade when the first teacher was supposed to go into space. And that was a challenger. And that ship blew up. And that was one of the earliest memories that I had. And, you know, all the kids, you know, at that time, everyone wanted to be an astronaut, right? Because the first teacher's going into space and this is opportunity and anybody can do this. You know, and that's, you know, they were all promoting that, you know, and they were encouraging people to shoot big, you know, shoot for the stars. And now I think about it today, there's four major platforms that probably could take you into space more than what there was before. You know, there's yeah. Elon Musk, there's Virgin, there's uh, Blue Orbit, which is Bezos, and then obviously there's NASA. So, I mean, I'm sure there's more than that, but those are the four primaries that I know of. So it's like, and, and then as I began to think about that, I began to think about my journey because when I was a kid, I wanted to be a baseball player, you know, <laughs> just like, you know, incredible, like only like maybe 1% of the population probably will ever achieve that, maybe less. And, and so eventually I did get to get on the ball field. Uh, and as an official though, uh, as I got older, you know, those dreams started to fade away, but then kind of opened that back up and said, you know what, this dream can still be alive, but maybe mm -hmm. in a different fashion or form or go a different way about it. And so I became an official and I actually, uh, at one point there's a, if you could see, there's a plaque right above me. I was the rookie of the year in a, in a particular, uh, officiating, uh, organization, uh, it was a tri-state area and actually won a scholarship so I could go on and learn how to do three-man mechanic, which would have thrown me in the collegiate level, but I was moving at the time. So I turned it down and I was like, sorry, I can't, you know, I would have gone down to Florida and trained with professional umpires for seven days. Wow. And, and I don't say that to brag or beat my chest, but you know, it's just to say that, you know, just because there's not one path to that route, doesn't mean that there aren't alternative paths of that route. Um, and right. kind of, and that kind of ties into what you did. You kind of explored some different things as you went through life. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? What, what, you know, like the courage that you found to pursue, you know, moving through the hospitality industry and then shifting and going into the financial sector and then becoming an author and just, you know, having the courage to kind of pursue what was on your heart at the time. Yeah. And again, I'll, I'm, I'll tell you my it's all perspective Kirby <clears throat> and so I'm probably gonna usually kind of I'll go different directions here. yeah because what you're talking about second grade what do you want to be baseball player astronaut whatever it is here's and here's where strong statement we fail our kids it's not a parent's fault 
I, I raise my kids to the best of my ability based on what I know and what I experience. And I tell them that every day I say, if you don't agree with me, I'm fine with it. You can absolutely challenge me and say, do it from respect and love, but I'm just telling you what I know doesn't necessarily mean it's right. If you know of a different way or a different perspective, by all means, I want you to use that creative part of your mind to always ask, always ask why. So, and I'm, if I don't get back to your question, I think I will just bring me back on track, but I, I'm going to get to it because my first children's book is called List for Santa, List for Life. Mm -hmm. I'm writing a business plan for work. I love writing business plans because it gives me, I can take everything and look at the opportunities and say, okay, where are we going to be? Where, what sort of sales are we going to be? What new accounts are we bringing on? Love it. Get creative, get into the analytical side. And then it hit me that that was what my first book. It was around the holidays. This was when my oldest daughter was about six. And long story short, I believe the first time anybody ever writes their first list of goals or what they want to do or be is their first Christmas list or holiday list. We just don't know it. Mm -hmm. you, my daughter would run home and say, where's my list? I want to write something down I want for Christmas. So that was the theme. I said, if I could take that, teach my kids to think about things they want for themselves as well as others, their teachers, their parents, that's your holiday list or Christmas list, but continue a list for life. That's goal planning. Where it fails is the is is goes going back to what you were saying. I want to be an astronaut or baseball player. Here's my business plan. That's what I want to be. What happens? Nope, can't happen. It's not going to work. Never, it's never going to be done. Never happened. Whatever. So what happens? We abandon our dreams, and then we maybe we feel like a failure. So and that's and it's it's teaching kids that that's not a failure. And that was my fear for the longest time, because if I said I wanted to be an astronaut, Kirby, and I didn't, I'm a failure, right? I write that goal down, and there it is in black and white, and, and I look back at it a year later, 20 years later, you didn't do it, you're a failure. I believe that's a flawed approach to the way we per pursue success in this country, and I will go into my definition of success with you later to get people to think about it. But if I'm, at, and it's hard to teach kids because they sometimes don't want to listen. My oldest is at the age where I'm an idiot. She knows everything, which I did to my parents, <laughs> but I still talk to her, but to be an astronaut. Okay. Well, if we kind of ask why, what does that mean? To your point, you're a huge success to be able to do what you did was pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. And then you say, well, do I carry regret that I didn't do it? No, like it's part of our journey, but if it's perspective. And so um, to how I got to where I was, a lot of it was anger because I was lost. And that's why I wrote my memoir because I carried a lot of anger with me, Kirby. And I wanted to find out why, because anger works in the moment and anger is not bad if you channel it right. And I learned that, you know, people would tell me, why are you so angry? And I realized one day I said to my wife, actually, she's like, why are you so angry? I said, don't mistake my intensity for anger. I could have an intensity of love and passion to help people and get laser focused. And you may see it as anger. There, I believe there's still a vibrational component to that that I need to improve. Mm -hmm. But it was a shift. I went through, I went through these, I went into the hospitality industry because I love being around people, helping people out. And I, but I carried 
the wrong perspective of anger and I was living up to everybody else's expectations and eventually someone's going to fail me. And so I hit a wall, I hit a wall, right? And I, but I always know, I've had this knowing that I'm going to have these phases in my life where I'm going to make a huge shift <clears throat> in my life. And it's a turmoil of sorts. And I left the restaurant industry. It was, it was turmoil, but I created that turmoil for, for me to change Kirby. This goes back to, I think, I don't know if Tony Robbins is quoted with this, but real change is when the pain of remaining the same exceeds the pain to change. I think yeah. that's his quote. Yeah. I would go through this. I believe I had to struggle and suffer and create this pain that was so much that I was forced to change or somebody forced me to change. So I went from hospitality industry and I was making money and I started studying investing and I wanted to help people. Simple concept. If you're working Kirby and you're making good money to take that money and let that money work for you, it's a simple concept to help people with that simple part. There's so many other ways to, uh, to approach that. And you've had people on your show talking about that. So uh, and I think I'm answering your question. How did I get here? Yeah. I, is I've created these, these moments of pain because my perspective was a little flawed. It was from an, a standpoint of anger and frustration. And so I, sh I'm still in financial services, but I shifted out of a, a great career. Um, and I, I made great money, but I, I, I was dead inside. And so all along I started writing. Because I said, you know what, if I could shift my perspective and I could share it with my kids, why don't I just write and share it with anybody else? And now yeah, I'm into my sixth book. My fourth book was my, mem my memoir about my wife's triumph over stage four cancer. Like Kirby, that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. And I still get choked up talking about it because she's the most, she's the strongest one I ever met in my life. And I talked and hers was a triumph over a physical challenge. Or, or obstacle minds, mindset and mental. And I published my memoir and I'm, and I put it out there about the anger I carry, but I also showed how to shift that perspective. And I, I, this is a long answer to your question, but it goes back to what you're doing and what you asked me, how did I get there? I had the idea. I wanted to write a book forever, forever. Where do you start? And, but I, I, I just had it and I had it and it, and it just clicked with me that one day. And ever since then, it's been kind of an addiction. It's very cathartic for me though, too, but I write so that I can actually release my past because that's what prevents us from moving forward is our past. If we carry our past with us and our hurts and our wounds, as Dr. Wayne Dyer said, oh, we haul out our wounds. Do you know what happened to me? Do you know who I am? That's why I'm here. Well, that's, that's why we get stuck. And so that that's my journey. It's been, it's, it's honest, it's human, it's true. And I think a lot of people probably experience that, but they don't know how to just say, yeah, oh shit, excuse me. I, I feel you that's, I'm, I'm just like that, but no one's ever told me it's okay to talk about it because I still, I mean, there are people in my family or friends that I can't talk to this about because and that's my perspective also, but family wants to fix. You're right. 
you, it's really, really hard to say to a family member, like, this is how I'm feeling. And they're like, oh my gosh, the whole world's going to end. I need to fix you now versus my life. Now here's a key ingredient. I have a life coach. This is what you do. I've had a life coach for five, six years. She holds the focus. She's not trying to fix me. She's just holding my focus. And she just throws questions out there, Kirby, that just throw me into a tizzy. And then I, and I, then I come back down and I say, holy Toledo. She's like, and I, and I just, I go off the deep end and it's not at her. And she's like, Tom, I didn't say that. And then once I come back, I'm like, wow, you didn't even say that. So that's an awareness that's taking place with me personally. And a lot of people can do that mm -hmm. in life, in the moment, but answer your question. It's kind of how I got to where I am. Yeah. I think I answered it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I appreciate it. And, and really, it sounds like that you allowed yourself to freely explore, you know, what was before you. Um, and I think that's great. And I think that you mentioned a couple people, you mentioned Dr. Wayne Dyer, who's an incredible man, as well as Tony Robbins. And, you know, it's, uh, I mean, and, and a lot, I guess a lot of the folks that I've seen you mention and, and talk about, um, as I begin to follow you and stuff, uh, they're all really incredible people that came into their own power, right? They, they found it, right? And I think it's kind of what we're all searching for. I heard that term not long ago and I was like, that is like one of the best ways to say that I stepped into my power. I figured it out. And it wasn't about being this or that or anything else. It was stepping into who I really was and owning it and, and, and accepting like and being genuine and very authentic. Um, and that's how people really move others. And I was like, okay, wow. I says, I need to figure out my power because <laughs> right. it doesn't feel like that sometimes. And I'm sure they didn't feel like it at the time, but I'm sure there's a moment where they were like, I figured it out, you know? Um, and you know, like your coach, uh, you were talking about that, holding that focus and allowing that space to be created around that focus where you can kind of explore that. So I, I think that's a really great, um, uh, a segue and really the next question and you really kind of talk about being this you know healthy macho masculine man you know but that's not what your work is really about you've kind of found another perspective and i think most of us as men um have kind of dealt with this you know and some of us never figure it out right you know and society conditions us to be a certain way but then rejects us when we become a man um, and when we begin, you know, they tell us that, Hey, you need to be more kind, caring and nurturing. But then when we try to do that and open up the aperture and share, it's like, no, shut that back down. I don't want to hear anything about that. You know, and that's kind of shocking, you know, and it's like, when you see this masculine guy, um, and then you see, you know, that when you find, you know, from the outside, from the, you know, as you're walking up to somebody and then they have this very soft nature. It's almost like a great Dane. You see this huge dog and everybody's afraid of it. Right. But then it's this gentle giant inside and it's the most loving, nurturing thing that you've ever seen. Um, it's kind of like an oxymoron. They're like opposites. And yeah. so, you know, it's really, it's just a shocking impression that you get. And so what, when did you start this journey of, of really self-discovery and maybe what it means to kind of be that gentle giant or gentle man? Uh, I'll tell you, Kirby, it's, it was the day I... <clears throat> the day I entered this experience in the human realm, <laughs> I've been I've been experiencing it since birth and trying mm -hmm. to discover it and understand it. Um, and it's it's hard because you're right. We have certain 
expectations that we need to live up to. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I dip my toe into this because of fear, mm-hmm. because of, and it's a whole psychological journey, which I laugh at because my books, it's TE corner. Why Kirby from a psychological mindset standpoint, if it's no good and it fails, it's not Tom. It's mm-hmm. TE. Like if you really look at it, that was my dipping my toe in. I published the first book. Okay. I didn't get killed. I didn't get ridiculed. I wasn't, it wasn't awful. I did the next one. And actually it happened with one of my um, publicists. She's like, why is it TE? And I said, that's a great question. But I, I, I realized that well, that was me um, getting comfortable and thinking, well, if I want to talk about being loving and honest and caring, I had this, as I t- said, anger with me. I said, well, oh man, what if it, what if we do things and you have to be a hundred percent and they see you, you have to be a hundred percent perfect and everybody's looking to poke holes in it. Right. And so if it's like, oh, what if I'm, I get mad, I'm mad. I'm not that person I'm saying I'm trying to be. And so there's this, this doubt, these expectations that I had to wrestle with to say, well, what if someone calls me out? Like, well, first of all, they have to pay attention. (laughs) No one's paying attention. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And so it was slowly me getting used to that. And that's fear. And it doesn't have to be that way. And to, so to break through those limitations is a matter of having someone help you hold the focus. You got to break past your fears, which is your past, because in order to forgive, we need to forget and we can't forget as humans. So we can't, it's really hard for people to forgive mm-hmm. ourselves, let alone other people. So um, I went down the path of being angry. Yeah. I went down the path of self-destruction. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm not worse than some people. Some people do things way worse than I did in getting into fights and blah, blah, blah. But I've done things that many people were like, why would you do that? Right. And, I, and it worked. But again, going back to Dwayne Dyer, I, all, I enrolled in Automobile University. Zig Ziglar, Can That, Jim Rohn. I listened to all these wonderful people, these mentors that were with me for like 20 years. They're still with me, but they traveled with me whenever I would travel. I would listen to them everywhere I went. And so slowly they were teaching me to, to shed the anger, the, the um, you know, I'm, I'm a guy. And you know what? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you, I love you, Kirby. I love you for what you're doing, because if I do, <laughs> whoa, you know, you don't do that. You don't, you don't hug people. You don't show emotion. And this goes to my upcoming book. I believe true leaders are those leaders who know how to love, how to love their people. And most of them aren't. That's scary. Most of them aren't. Not necessarily their fault. It's a matter of breaking through those barriers or what they were brought up to believe that a leader pounds their chest and beats their people over the head and they don't do it. They just push them to the side and bring someone else in. That's flawed leadership. It's worked for a long time, but something has to shift. So um, I, to approach it from love, finding that love is our strength. Again, came from like Wayne Dyer. I, I tell people I, I lift weights and I would be, deadlifting. I mean, I'm not that strong, but I would deadlift, I don't know, 300 some pounds, whatever. It's not that big of a deal, but it's a lot for me. 
and I would listen to Eckhart Tolle. <laughs> I would listen to Eckhart Tolle while I'm lifting all these weights. Most people are listening to like death metal and all that stuff, which I listen to that stuff. Yeah. But it's not, it's, it's from a strengthening point and vibrational level, it's weak. It's low. Eckhart Tolle, Abraham Hicks, Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, if you listen to them and lift weights, it makes you stronger. I mean, Wayne Dyer even tested this, but it's been tested. Bruce Lipton tests, everybody tests it. And so it's fascinating. It's a mind shift, but you're taught, you're brought, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be a tough guy. You're, you know, you're supposed to come in there and blah, blah, beat people's heads. And I remember playing football in high school and I couldn't get angry enough. My mom's like, well, just think about how pissed off your brother makes you. <laughs> and I just couldn't do it. And it's fascinating. If, that's, I believe, where most people succeed in athletics or anywhere else. If they channel that energy, they're probably not out there from an anger standpoint or wanting to really harm or kill somebody as a professional athlete. If they actually are aligned with the right energy, they can go out and beat someone's head in because that's their sport, like especially martial arts. It's a violent sport, but the really good ones there's a mindset about it and, and, and they're there flowing, even though they're physically beating the heck out of each other. They're, uh, I believe they're not trying to kill the other person, but if you fight from anger and that's why they talk trash, because if you get someone angry, it weakens them and it, and then you got this spot where you can take advantage of those people that talk trash. They might do it not from an anger standpoint, but they know, like, I'm just playing a game. I'm having fun here. Um, if you're able to do that, everything changes. So again, that's a long answer to your question about the, the macho man approach, but it's really hard. It's really hard, especially if you're a kid and you're in school and you're in your twenties and you're hanging out with the guys, guys do stupid stuff yeah. and to be able to just walk away and say, no, thanks. Yeah. that takes a strong person because you're going to be ridiculed for it. Yeah. I, I, lo I love a couple of examples you use there, especially the one about the mixed martial arts. There's, I always tell people there's a, there's a beauty in it, you know, it's like a dance, you know, if you go back to Muhammad Ali's talks about, you know, dance like a butterfly, sting like a bee, but when you have two people that share space like that together, and they're synchronized uh, in that, in that form of combat, uh, uh, there is a, a particular beauty that you can see because there's so much going on It's the counters and, you know, just all the different stuff that happens. And I used to wrestle. So it was like a human chess match for me. Right. Totally. When I was in high school. I grew up wrestling. And, and it, for me, there were, there was um, a whole nother level of competition there in intellect and, you know, to be able to take my body and put it in these positions to counter these things. And you're using math at the same time because there's fulcrum and levers and this and that. And right. the beauty in that, that I don't think most, they just see the, the, um, the, the viciousness of it you know the the the, the violence of it but there, there's a lot more to it than that um there's it's really science there's a lot of science involved in it um that you know we're capable of doing more things than what we realize and a lot of us will say oh, i suck at science or i suck at math but you're actually using it every single day uh and i think there's some beauty in the world with that there's another thing you said too about the you know listening to some of these 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 people you know these mentors like Wayne Dyer, Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, you know, all these folks, you know, while you're lifting weights, it made me remember like a couple of years ago when I was uh, training for ultra marathon. Um, and I actually have another one coming up in a week from our recording um, in Arkansas, but uh, 
That's a mindset right there. Yeah, it is. It really is. I, and I could go into the state of flow and all kinds of other things with yeah. it. But I would listen to, I found a couple years ago, like there was this one audio book that I was listening to. I don't like the guy's personality, right? But right. I think he has value to bring, which is going to allude to another conversation we'll have here in a little bit. But uh, but I I just never, I just, he's, there's a lot of bravado, right? He right. like, he's showcasing his masculinity to the world. And it's um, Grant Cardone. You know, he has a lot of value to add to people's lives. He's a right. lot, he's a, a very, you know, um, probably an intelligent man who's grown in his business, uh, probably has a lot of value. I just, it's the, it's the, it's the bravado. It's, it's the yes. personality that shows up that pushes me away. And I was listening to his audiobook 10X, right? And I found like, as I went back and I started to look at my training routine and my times and stuff, I, I was running faster when I was reading to listening to his book. People were like, why would you want to listen to an audio book and run? That sounds like running sucks and listening to audio book. I mean, come on, you're putting two negative. And I was like, right. two negatives make a positive, right? But, you know, I would listen to it and the words would go to my, through my head. And I was listening to 10X, 10X, 10X. And I was taking the concepts that he was teaching. And in that moment, I was applying them to, to my training. And in that moment, it was motivating, you know, to hear his voice, you know, and the way he read the audio book kind of really pushed me to another level. So I just wanted to uh, honestly share that with you because you remind me of that um, and how people can take some of those things that I'm like, why would you listen to an audio book while lifting weights? Because in that moment, you're, you're absorbing the power that people are giving you. Um, and there's, I, a couple I like, yeah. there's, there's a couple of things there. But you're right. You're absorbing what they're saying, and it's and it's and it's making you better. But the other part of it, Kirby, because I, I, we were we took a trip out west for a spring break with our my wife and kids a number of years ago. We started in San Diego and drove to Palm Springs and drove to Phoenix because we weren't we were having a reunion with her oncologist to thank him and give him a copy of the book I wrote. But I remember sitting in the car driving across from you know from. California to Arizona and we checked into the hotel and I said, like, I need to run on the treadmill. I just need to move. Uh -huh. And I ran for an hour, which is unlike me because running for me is just, it's boring. Uh -huh. And so ever since then, I was able to run for an hour on the treadmill because I was listening to Abraham Hicks and I was listening to what they were saying. And I, and I wasn't worried about how fast I'm running or what I'm doing. And I would set it to elevate and do all this stuff instead of me thinking about how much pain I'm in, which that's what, where people give up and I'm in pain. I'm not, I would, I would just run. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. It was amazing for me just because 15 minutes was all I could really do. Yeah. And I would get bored and I said, I just need to go do something else. But to your point, you're listening to something that's, that's uplifting you and it's, it's making you better. And it's also, I believe you're, it's taking you away from focusing on the, the really physical yeah, pain yeah. that you possibly yeah. could be going through. Yeah, that's why the people like to listen to a lot of music. And uh, I, I sometimes I hesitate because an ultra marathon is a long run. And so if I listen to music, sometimes that makes me pick up my tempo in a way that I is really hurt, you know, harmful to me. Because if Stop. I run too fast too soon, right. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm burning out at the end, you know, and I can't make it. So uh, right. yeah, you, you really have to have a level of self-awareness. I love the conversation. Um, you know, and, and always for, for some reason, I don't know why it happened. You know, maybe this is by design. Um, maybe it's <laughs> a higher power, but we always have a spiritual aspect to this show for some reason. I never planned to program that in there. Um, so I'm, I'm allowing the, the world to, to guide me. Uh, but 
you know, we, we live in these really chaotic times and you have this, this spiritual um, uh, explanation per se, you know, that, and I don't know if we really live in chaotic times um, or any different times. Uh, it might be different, but I think all men have lived in chaotic times during their lifetime or their period. I mean, World War II, World War One, Great Depression, you know, American Revolutionary War. I mean, you, you could, you know, there was a pandemic 100 years ago. I mean, we've all have our, own, you know, it's just unique to us, right? It's right. Probably another spin on what we've already experienced in the past, you know. And so I don't really think that our times are any more chaotic. It's just, it's chaotic to us. Um, mm -hmm. So what is your, what's your take on this as far as the spirituality goes? Because there's a reason for this um you know that we act you know in the way we are now um maybe you know maybe you have a perspective on this and what we can do moving forward as far as the the spiritual um aspect of it uh well two things i'll tell you kirby fear has a very funny way of making us act very unintelligent mm -hmm. fear is fear is a motivator it can be good but fear is awful mm-hmm because fear paralyzes us fear you know when there's fear involved we won't ask why we won't challenge we'll just say okay you got, i have to stay safe i'll do whatever it takes to stay safe even if it doesn't make sense um but from a and you know spirituality and fear going hand in hand you know we're we live in a dual existence as far as humans go as far as the, it's ever been who knows if it'll change? We, it's a duality. So you have to be aware of that, right? So there's always going to be love and hate. And there's light and dark. There's ease and disease. So it's a matter of understanding that. But if I fall into the hate side, the negative side, the disease side, the fear side, and I become paralyzed, uh, that, that's not good. I was paralyzed by it. And I wrote my memoir because I said I had two choices because I was tired of it and I had to end it. I have two choices to end it, to end my misery, Kirby. It's either to leave this existence physically or to, to pull up my britches and turn around and face my fears. Most people don't know that they have the fears that they face. They act the way they act and they don't question it. And then maybe they're on their deathbed and then they're saying, oh, shoot, I apologize. I'm trying to seek forgiveness. And I've seen this personally in my life with people. I'm trying to do that now. Mm -hmm. Not that I've really hurt people, but I was angry. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to understand it. So that's your question. If you don't have something that's spiritual, that keeps you here, wanting to wake up every day to do what you do, it's it makes it more difficult. And I'm not saying you have to believe in Jesus or God. I call it Jesus, God, prana, chi. I call it source energy. I call it spirit, soul, whatever you want. If you really look at it, why, how in the world does the, how am I able to talk to you? How does a human being exist? It's love. There's this energetic field or whatever you want to call that creates this universe that allows us to be human. And I, you know, I've gone my life and I've questioned religion and I didn't believe in it. Something always told me that how could I have one religion across the street and the next one on the other side, believing in 
a so-called God and they hate one another because their beliefs aren't the same. That's the craziest thing I ever heard in my life. At the end of the day, when you boil it down and you close your eyes and you forget your past, all there is is love. I'm not talking about the love that we abuse in that word and love you, love you. I'm talking about love. Like once you see it, and Dr. Wayne Dyer talked about it. He wasn't talking about, I love you. He's talking about love, that energy. And I'm telling you right now, it's the most powerful thing and it's what keeps us here. But what blinds us from that love is fear, is hatred, is unable, being unable, being paralyzed and unable to ask why. What, what does it all mean? Because I'll tell you right now, and this is where people just, people, I've lost friends because I, I've studied the human body more than I ever wanted to because when my wife had stage four cancer and she went to dozens of doctors who said, you're going to die. There's nothing you can do. Sorry. How awful is that? We were forced to find the right person who was a miracle and he treated her, but he didn't cure her. She had to find the cure. So I learned more about spirituality. I learned more about the human body. I know so much about the immune system that I'm not afraid of a so-called virus because I understand that, first of all, we get sick because if we're hateful and our thoughts are toxic, we'll get sick. We could die from negativity. We get sick and die because of toxic food, toxic things in our environment. I hate to say it, but that's the reality of it. And we're creatures of habit. The human being is amazing. We're amazing because we can live forever. And, and I've had people say, I don't need to do that. I drink and do all this. I said, that's fine. I'm not telling you to change. I'm just telling you, if you don't want to suffer and get some sort of disease or you want to ask why, it's because we're imbalanced. Uh-huh. And you asked me about spirit, but that has something to do with it. But yeah. it's love and love and being able to right now is people are so divided and I I forget what I was listening to the other day. They were talking about divide and conquer. Mm -hmm. When you divide people, it's so easy to conquer them because they don't get along and they're so distracted and angry that they can be completely manipulated and conquered. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that we share in common, no matter how much you may disagree with me or how much someone may hate me is that love Mm -hmm. because uh, you know, I have family members who absolutely disagree with me, but I still love them. <laughs> I love them. They might infuriate me. and want to tell me how stupid I am. I still love them. Like, that's what's it, man. It's but it's love and you've got to find it. And, you know, I'm big. I mean, you see the Buddha behind me. Yeah. The Buddha suffered. And then he woke up and said, I don't need to suffer to to awaken. Mm-hmm. Suffering is a natural part of our existence. If I could see it as a teacher and understand why I suffer and study love and study health and study healing, all that stuff right there, if I suffer, it's because I asked for it. And then I'm going to learn from it because it's a sign saying, well, you're suffering right now. Why? Probably because I brought that into my existence. But that's crazy for most people because most people don't think that way. They're like, ah, some jerk freaking cut me off in traffic and some idiot said something on Facebook and they're a jerk. They're unconscious. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it, you know, it, it's a very impactful um, dialogue you had there, uh, especially in the beginning. Um, you know, I mean, you talk a lot about love and divide and conquer. And, uh, you know, one of our past guests, um, 
I believe it was Richard Friesland said, you know, uh, it's hard for, for people to be able to hear other folks because they're not okay with their emotional position. They still haven't figured out their emotional position. Exactly. Until you figure out your emotional position, you can't hear somebody else's. Okay, and so right. as soon as they start projecting that on you, it becomes a clash. You know, it's like now you're in a mortal combat, you know, um, and, and I really feel like, you know, kind of that's the way we are. I mean, at least in my lifetime, right? And I'm only halfway there. But, you know, I've seen more, you know, division and, 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 and just hatred probably than I've probably seen. And I, I was even thinking last night as I was preparing for this interview, I was, you know, kind of thinking back through some of the stuff that I've been seeing on TV. And I try to eliminate a lot of that in my lifetime because that's what they get paid to do. Entertainment mm -hmm. is entertainment news is to get you emotionally roused up, you know, and get you glued to that TV. So the ratings go up, so they make more money. And, you know, it's, it's not healthy for me. And so I was thinking about that and I'm like, you know, with everything going on right now, it's almost like we're going backwards. It almost feels like our mentality and our mindset. It's like we're moving backwards because we're creating more division and more hate than, than unity moving forward. And it, it's, I don't know. I just have this bad feeling that, you know, we are rolling back. Um, and that kind of gets into this, this question um, that, you know, there's a lot of political divide. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. You know, it's like almost 50% of the country is split. I mean, if you want to call it two sides, right. And I don't really care what side anybody's on. Um, Cause I'm, I feel like I'm pretty comfortable in my emotional position and I can hear other people's, you know, I may not agree with them, but I can still hear their concerns and their arguments and what they think it right looks like. And, you know, I can agree or disagree and we can have a dialogue about that. I don't right. get emotionally upset um but how can people feel empowered right and use their anger in, in a positive way rather than the way which you know i guess can be disturbing to watch sometimes it's almost like uh we can't be different right i can't be unique and different you know and and be okay with someone else having a different view kind of like i said earlier you know i'm okay with my emotional position and um you know, and had just really just have a different perspective on, you know, what may be going on. Uh, and probably most people listen to podcasts can probably have a different perspective, unless they're just listening to a lopsided conversation. Um, right. You know, it's, it's, it's like, it's all or none mentality, right? You, yeah. you, you have to agree 100% with me, or you don't exist. <laughs> you know, yeah. or I'm going to try and defeat you and hurt you so bad that I pummel you into thinking like me, uh, you know, uh, what was I watching the other day? Um, uh, Littlefoot, right. It's that, you know, about the Yeti and, you know, when my kids watch it and they were talking about the stones, you know, and you agree with the stones. And if you don't agree with the stones, then they cast you out, you know, and until the, the pain and suffering is so bad that you want back in because, you know, and you'll lie even though that you may not agree with that you'll lie and tell everybody on the surface that this is, you know, this is the truth when it's really not your truth. Um, yeah. And so I guess what I'm saying is, is there's a lot of emotional regulation out there that seems like um, that we've lost, you know, it's mm -hmm. our emotions are an all time high. Um, and so again, you know, how can people feel empowered to, I guess, begin the question is, is take that anger and turn it into a positive rather than destroy each other. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's an awareness. Most people, I believe, go through their lives completely unconscious to what's yeah. what's going on around them. They do what they do, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. Like you know, like I said in my in my book, I'm like I did everything I was supposed to. Mm-hmm. Went to school, great job, great career, awesome family, and I was so lost. Why? Mm-hmm. Right. It's perspective. Pain. Pain is a wrong perspective. That's from the court, A Course in Miracles. Like, wow. All it takes is a shift in perspective. Mm-hmm. Sounds so simple, right? Yeah. But you have to, re- it takes time. Like I said, it's, I've been doing, the, I've been working on this for my entire life. It takes place gradually and then suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes time. I believe there's a huge divide because most people don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. this is tough this is a tough pill to swallow it's also a generational thing mm-hmm. my mother's 80 people that are 80 as a general observation get all their information from the news that's the way they were brought up mm-hmm. and in talking to her she's like well it's on the news i said but okay that's fine i i, I that's what she was brought up and it, it still frustrates me but she's willing to listen i'm like well what about looking at it from this vantage point and especially with the health side of it i've absolutely helped her change her mind on the health side she's of the generation of pop pills right our western approach to medicine especially people that are older is to take a pill cut it out that's not healing that's hiding and so uh, the western approach to medicine and i'm kind of getting back to what you're talking about is you know okay how can i if that's what I'm led to believe that if I, if I take 10 prescription drugs and, under, and don't and wonder why I have five new diseases and don't question it and all the side effects are on front in front of you on the TV, the way to health is through, you got to love your immune system, the train, you got to love your mind, you got to love your thoughts, but you have to ask, you have to ask why I learned this because again, I was forced, my wife was forced to say no to medical professionals who spent decades in college studying the human body to say, there's nothing we can do for you. Get your affairs in order. What do you do? Say, okay, fine. Thanks. All right. I'm just going to go home and die. Like how, who, who does that? When you're forced to do that, you're going to say, no, I'm going to go to somebody else until I find that right person. And then it's a matter of just like with my kids, you can challenge me. You can doubt me. You can say no to me. Just don't be a jerk about it. Like I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. How about this? Okay, well, why? You got to ask yourself why. And so now it's a matter of people are just being, people don't know what to believe. And then you just sit there and then I I do it myself. I, I was frustrated yesterday. I'm like, I can't believe what's going on that people are being treated poorly because they want to be human. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, they just want to go out and live an active life. And, and if they do, people attack them. For what? They don't even know why. It's because they're, so we're, we're, we've been divided for a number of years. Yeah. So it's kind of the, okay, I believe, and I sat down with the reverend of, of a church in 2016 mm-hmm. and said, uh, well, what's going to happen? We're so f- afraid for the future. Mm-hmm. And I said, wait a second. And we're sitting in a coffee shop. And I said, 
So out of the 50%, to your point, we're so divided. It's like 50, 50, 50% of people in this coffee shop you hate and are afraid of, but the other 50 you're okay with, and you're, you're a reverend of a church. Like I, there's something wrong with that. Yeah. And it's, so it's hard to understand it. So it's perspective and understanding and knowledge. And I, people don't understand my vantage point of why I believe that actually I'm immune because I take care of my, my body. People <laughs> will not, they'll say I'm crazy because that's not what their doctor tells them. Yeah. That's a whole nother story. So, um, going back, what, what, what was your question? It was, uh, it was how to empower your, you know, your anger to or empower yourself to use your anger in a more positive way. Right. And so I, I find myself angry because I'm trying to help people. I'm like, could you please think twice about this before you go ahead and, and, and they won't listen. And I find it frustrating because I feel like I, I mean, I know the cure to cancer, but people don't believe me. Yeah. I, I know what it is, but they don't believe me because nobody else has told them. Yeah. And I'm like, great. Oh my gosh, seriously. So I find myself frustrated because I'm just, it's like, you want to shake them and you become an and angered. And then they say, well, I'm blocking you. I'm not going to follow you on Facebook anymore. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. So I have to rebalance because we are so divided and, and it's a matter of, again, perspective. Do you want to study fear? Do you want to study disease? Do you want to study anger? Do you want to stu study negativity? You can, that's fine. That's perfectly fine. Or do you want to study healthy bodies? Do you want to study healthy minds? What that looks like and, and, and what, what that does for people. And most people, and that's like you said, the media gets paid on fear. Mm -hmm. I believe the approach to medicine in the West is attacking and cutting. Like I go back to cancer. Chemotherapy is the most barbaric treatment in the world. You're killing cancer with cancer. It's like so barbaric, but people, and people die of treatment, not of cancer, but they don't ask questions because they're like, well, that's what I was told to do. I, I've had a loved one who died from the treatment because they were afraid to actually go the right path to heal because no one told them and mm. they passed away and it's awful. It, it freaking breaks me up because they, they were so afraid to, to, to want to look at healing. And so if you don't know of any other way and all you see is one way, that's your belief system and you're so angered. And I'm not talking really politics now. I'm really talking pandemic politics. Yeah. Yeah, I believe politics are set up to specifically divide. <laughs> yeah. I think they're they're there. I mean, if you look at politicians, I mean, I joked actually in a response to my a, a comment from a family member on a Facebook post about honest politicians. I'm like, I, I'm not trying to disparage honest politicians, but honest politicians a tough tough gig, yeah, <laughs> but. And it's a matter of, you know, they want to get into things and do the right thing, but eventually it's like anything else. You kind of maybe make the wrong decisions and you know, it's not right, but it's the only way to get to the next step ahead. And then you look back and people are divided and they're, and they're scared and they're angry. And, and we're, we're so divided in this country that, you know, I tell people, I'm like, you know what, Kirby, if I close my eyes, and I talk to you, I, I cannot judge you yeah. 
except for listening to your voice. Cause I tell people that eyes don't see our eyes. Don't see Kirby. Our eyes judge. Yeah. We can see actually without our eyes. And I've learned this through meditation and closing my eyes. I love having my eyes closed because I don't need to see all the distractions around me, the things that could allow me to be prejudiced, to judge, but it's, that's a whole spiritual thing. I went down the path, but for, for people, you know, if you want to make, make sense, I'm telling you right now, if you want to stop the insanity, stop your freaking social media, stay away from it. I, I haven't watched the news for decades. Yeah. Social media, I don't use social media except for promoting like what I'm doing with you. I'll get, I'll look at posts, but for the most part, I stay away from it. I yeah. call that in my upcoming book, Mindlessness Man. Yeah. He's like this Marvel comic action anti-hero that swoops in with our social media posts, our email and that little red dot blows up on our screen and we have to go in and check out what's going on because that validates our existence. My life is validated based on someone liking my post and without it, we're completely lost and we're mindless. We are so mindlessly lost in this and to step away from it is so freeing. It's like the coolest thing ever. I look forward to like just turning my phone off mm -hmm. not picking it up for a day. It's the coolest thing ever. But yeah, it is. <laughs> anger to, to release this, I'm telling you, is you just need to stop. A lot of times I leave my phone in my office and I'm like, where's my phone at? Like three hours later. <laughs> and I'm like, I haven't been disturbed. I haven't looked at social yeah. media. I've actually engaged and interacted with my family. You know, it's just, it, it, it really has been, you know, my wife will say, hey, can you look up? And I'm like, I don't have my phone. It's downstairs. I got to go get it. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I don't have this pocket computer with me everywhere. Um, and that's really been the last year I think I've experienced that. But I, there's two things I want to unpack there or, or share that you mentioned. Um, and well, one of them really is to validate, you know, something that you said personally. Um, and the other one is, is there's this really cool video out there um, that Stephen Covey did or Franklin Covey company. You're, you're familiar with him about. Yeah perception and paradigm shifts and looking at things through different lens and it's this guy on this train station and he's got his hands in his face and his kids are running down running around and causing a ruckus and disturbing the other patrons on the train and this guy is you're, you're hearing the voice of the guy that's observing this and it's like you know why can't he just do something about these kids you know like what's wrong with this guy like he has no control and then as the video continues on, they reveal that the guy just lost his wife at the hospital and they're on their way home. Mm -hmm. But everybody else in the church or not church, but the train is looking at this guy like, what is this knucklehead doing? Get control of your kids, you know, and and somebody wants to say something to him. And then when they do, he's just like, I don't know what to do. I just lost my wife. Mm -hmm. And you all of a sudden you have this huge paradigm shift. It's like, it's like you said, it's, it's gradual. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's like, wow. It's almost like sticking your foot in your mouth. And it's like, yeah, I've done this my entire life. And all of a sudden now I realize like I have been wrong the entire time. And today's the first day that I move forward. Um, I think it's just one of the most powerful videos that I probably mm -hmm. saw and really kind of begin to change my pers perspective. Um, and, uh, the other thing is, is that, you know, you, you've mentioned, you mentioned your wife earlier and her, and her battle with cancer and stuff like that. Um, and you kind of mentioned it again in this dialogue. Uh, and you mentioned the aspect of, 
you know, the doctor, right? You know, and they tell you, you know, this is this is the way in Western perspective of medicine. I had the same experience, except it wasn't to the level of your spouses. Um, I had two herniated discs in my neck and I had been plagued with that for several years. And I had been kind of delaying and, you know, procrastinating about getting surgery because that's, that was the method. It was slice and dice and, you know, and now you have to deal with this for the rest of your life. And, and it wasn't quite there yet. And I just talked to a doctor, um, a surgeon in Kansas city, um, years, years ago. And uh, he's like, well, you're a candidate for surgery. And I just said, I was like, you know, I says, I want to do my own research. I was like, I, I just want to look at some different things. I want to look at, you know, maybe, maybe there's some alternatives. And I was kind of going along your spiritual journey, much like you did. Um, mm -hmm. And I was kind of exploring some things. And this is before, you know, I basically um, became a Christian and was baptized and things like that, because I was pretty much agnostic or atheist most of my childhood. Um, and I didn't really, I, and after a tragic event in my life, you know, um, when my grandfather passed away, and I got divorced. I thought something's missing. I'm missing something. Right. And all this has fallen apart, but there's something missing in my life. And I, I think that, you know, it's a belief in something. Right. And yep. so, and I kind of went on that self journey myself, much like yours. That's why I resonate with your story so much. And, uh, so I, I decided that I, I looked up, you know, West, you know, Eastern medicine, right. And I'm thinking acupuncture, Tai Chi, mm -hmm. you know, so I had these two herniated discs and, so I showed up to the YMCA where this Tai Chi class was, and uh, there were all people like in their 70s and 80s with arthritis. And uh, they thought it was cute. I'm a 33-year-old kid when they're doing Tai Chi, you know, doing all the motions and stuff. And they, they loved it. And I started swimming. I started doing sauna. You know, I just started doing like Roman bass type stuff, you know. Um, and I just started doing a lot of different things that most people, it wasn't modern medicine. It was just ancient medicine is what it was. Right. Um, and I began to realign my back and I began to the healing process. Now the discs are still herniated, but I've gone 15 years without surgery. And it wasn't until after I injured my back that I was able to do the things that I'm physically able to do today. I never ran more than probably five miles That's awesome. That's um, awesome. before I hurt my back. And then after my back, I'm running 31, 50 miles. Right? You know, and it's like, you know, people like, well, that, and, and I was talking to a guy the other day and I'm going to, I'm going to say something that will probably may disturb some listeners, but he, he goes, Hey, I told him, I say, I'm going to Arkansas, you know, next weekend. And I was sharing with him and he's like, what are you going to Arkansas for? And I said, I'm going to run a race. He's like, how far are you going? I said, 31 miles. He goes, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, not really. If you think about it, right. Not really. Now, I'm able to do this because I've gotten myself in a place to where I'm able to overcome all the obstacles in my life. And I was like, you wouldn't believe the, what I'm able to process in 31 miles when I'm out there by myself in nature. I've after about seven miles, I find myself in this flow. And then, you know, six, seven, eight hours later, I'm like, Holy crap. I'm at the end, you know? And, awesome. uh, you know, and I, that, that's why I try, you know, that's why I want to communicate is like, you know, going back to the doctor, um, ask questions, look at different options, you know, you, you know, and, and uh, I, I'm glad that your wife kind of had that moment where it was like, eh, you know, Western way of medicine, you know, let's give people pills and shut off portions of the brain so we don't feel pain. You know, um, that's not really healing. That's just hiding from, you know, the root cause of the problem and then attacking the problem where it's at. Um, yep. And, and, most uh, people, yep. and most people don't know that because no one's telling them. It's yeah. not. They don't read it in the paper. They don't see it on the news and people really find it hard to believe, but I'm like, listen, 
we met the greatest oncologist in the world that we could ever meet. Yeah. An amazing guy. And the cool thing was, he's like, your book was pretty awesome. I didn't really have, he's like, I didn't know what to expect. He's, but he said, you gave me the perspective of all these people that come through here because, and I have a friend who said, yeah, that's what they do. They focus. He's, he's focused on, I don't know how many patients come through his door a day, focused on, okay, what's going on? I'm targeting this disease. I have to remove it. That's all he's focused on. They leave their life's a mess because they're falling apart. It could be financially, it could be whatever, because they're sick. He doesn't see that. My book captures like what we went through, what I went through mentally. And, um, but I even talk about when it even first happened, my wife's like, yeah, we're not going to go to the doctor. It's probably like a cold. I said, let's just go just in case. And then her sister-in-law urged her, but it's like, that's, we don't have time. Uh-huh. That's, the, that's the other thing that is, um, it's, you know, that's a challenge. We have, we believe we have to be so busy to, to it, it, it indicates we're successful. I won't say that's a lie, but that's kind of, that's kind of a fallacy. Like, what's that mean? I'm busy. Does that mean, uh, how's that mean I'm successful? We're so busy. We don't have time to go to the doctor. Uh-huh. If you go to the doctor and they say, well, here's your deal. Okay. I don't have time to go get another opinion, but we'll spend all of our time shopping for the latest iPhone and comparing an iPhone X to an iPhone 12 or a Samsung. We'll spend hours doing that, but for our health, the heck with that. I mean, but that's just the way we are. And plus who am I to question a highly qualified medical professional who spent decades studying this? And I, and it's not out of disrespect, it's out of respect. And if it's a good doctor, they should honor that Yeah. and say, you know what? I don't agree with your, I don't agree with your prognosis. I mean, of course, if your life's on the line, you have no other choice, yeah. but most people don't and they'll take the word for it. And I'm telling you right now with this pandemic, people need to ask questions. They're just taking the word for what's going on. And I, I, I really have to disagree with it. Yeah. Because you see, I mean, I have kids. Mm-hmm. Kids are resilient. Kid, for and like to your point, it's more painful for me. Our kids don't care. Kids are like, whatever. I have less school. This virtual school is a joke. But you know, people need to really wake up and and look what's going on around them because there's a, it, it. And I and again, I just know this because I understand the immune system and I understand that you know what, I'm not going to get sick. If I get sick, it's because I haven't taken care of my body. That's yeah. the only reason I get sick. Of course, yeah. And, um, but it's hard because that's not people's mindset. And in order for me to do that, and I have a friend who's a chiropractor who said something along the lines of, so you don't want to heal and take the right, eat the right food and, and, and balance your body out, but you're okay maybe getting cancer and paying $30,000 to treat your cancer in the future. You're okay with that. Mm. Like he was kind of a brutal statement, but he's, but he's, he's spot on. People won't spend the time or the money on the right food because it's very hard because everything else that's put in front of us is causes these disease. And because it's out there and it's available, we don't question it. And we wonder why, you know, I don't know, 64, 70% 70% of people over 65 get cancer. Like no one questions that. Yeah. <laughs> Why? And it's just like what you're talking. It's like anything it's, it's life. It's success. It's like, why, why am I not where I want to be? Uh-huh. 
or, or well, who, who am I? Am I actually who I want to be? Or am I based on what my, and I'm not disrespecting parents, what my parents want me to be? Because some parents want their kids to be a certain thing. I'm like, why don't you let your kid figure that out? So going back to like what it all means and how to let go and spirituality, the coolest thing, Kirby, is to let go. Yeah. It doesn't mean to not care and say, oh, I don't give I don't care if there's hundred people out there in the street and they die. It's like to let go. Yeah. And I do this with my mother all the time. I, I, I don't know if it's a generational thing. I'm like, stop worrying about it. Yeah. Stop creating stress and anxiety over something you have absolutely no control over. But what if the kids do this and they get hurt? If you're there, what if you're not there? Are you even going to know? Yeah. But it's hard. It's just, a, it's a mindset thing. Yeah. And people are, I think people need to come back and people need to spend. This is it. Ready? Here's the revelation. 30, 40 seconds a day being nice to themselves. Yeah. How many seconds are there in a day? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> 80,000 seconds, I think it is. I can't yeah. remember what it, I yeah, wrote I that. I had a friend. He's like, I don't have time. Like, start being nice to yourself. Meditate right before you get out of bed. Say something nice to yourself for 17, 20 seconds. Right when you lie your head on the pillow at night, say something nice to yourself. Yeah. Meditation. Maybe it's prayer. I don't know. Yeah. That's the first start. That's the gradual start. And then eventually you go through your day doing it all the time. I call that the mosh pit of your mind. Yeah. Anybody who's ever been in a mosh pit, it's insane and it's scary and it's violent. And the mind processes 60, 70,000 thoughts a day. If you're unconscious and you're processing fear and hatred and anger, that's probably what your reality is going to be like. And you have to kind of, that's what you're doing. You're coaching people. You have to find somebody to hold that focus and kind of shift you back. It's not going to work. I remember when I listened to Wayne Dyer years ago, I was so mad at him. He's all talking about love and all this stuff. I said, it's a bunch of garbage. It doesn't work. And I used to find myself so infuriated. I wanted it to work, Kirby, but it didn't work. I, but I never gave up. And now I'm here to tell you it, it works. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't, I said this to somebody else the other day, we have to enroll in the gradual part before we even graduate to the sudden. We have to participate in the gradual. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing while you're here to help people take those steps. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, uh, a little more validation here because you said something, uh, and earlier you mentioned Tony Robbins, you know, you said take 30 or 40 seconds to be nice to yourself. Uh, watching, um, I followed Tony Robbins a little more so earlier than I do today, but, uh, uh, I still watch some of his stuff. And, uh, I remember a video that was another video that was very prominent in my life. I'll see if I could figure, remember what it is and put it in the show notes. But, uh, uh, he was talking to this guy and he's like, look, he's like, if you don't have 15 minutes to give to somebody else or yourself, you don't have a life. And I was like, I can hear his voice. I was like, I was like, I was like, Oh man. I was like, he's talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm then, and I've from that day forward, you know, it's just, it's just like one sentence he said to one person. And you know, that, and that was like earlier, I, I said, you know, that was that paradigm shift and, it's like it changes you and it you know moves you forward just a little bit more and so that's been one of my things that have been a sticking point you know and i'm just as a leader you know and working you know in the army and, and all these other organizations that i've been in i'm like look if, if somebody comes to me and they need something and, and i can't give them 15 minutes uh who what kind of person am i 
you know, if my kids come up to me and they, you know, want to tell me about their day at school or something they saw on TV and I don't have like 15 minutes to stop what I'm doing to listen and to ask them questions about, you know, and share in that experience, which are, they're trying to share with me, mm -hmm. right. Create that space. Yep. What kind of life do I have? You know, and, and that kind of leads to earlier, you said you talked about the fallacy, right? And so it kind of leads me into uh, uh, one of my questions is that, um, how do you define true success? Because a lot of us have this fallacy that it's about the job title. It's about the money. It's about the benefits. It's about, you know, yeah. the location or this or that, you know, but, but I think there's another, another form of success. And I term that as true success. Yeah. Yep. And you talk about that a lot. So here's what I want your listeners to think about. But I'll tell you something that, and I've studied success. I've read success. I've spent so much time pursuing success. And like I said, I, I think I got, I had it and I was completely lost in debt inside. So um, back in 1922, apparently Albert Einstein was touring in, in Japan. Mm -hmm. And I believe back in 1922, Albert Einstein obviously is very intelligent. He spoke very intelligently with eloquence, but I believe he said, I'll keep it clean, F success. Mm -hmm. He said <laughs> it's success, but he said it in this fashion. Now listen, he said in 1922, he wrote this down. He first wrote down where there's a will, there's a way, but he wrote down, a common, modest life brings more joy than the pursuit of success bound with constant unrest. A common, modest life brings more joy than the pursuit of success bound with constant unrest. Unrest is stress. It's anxiety. It's disease. Go and I tell everybody, go ahead after this, Google the definition of success you nowhere in the definition of success, no matter where you go, you will find calm, modest, or joy. Success is all about the ego. Success isn't a bad thing, but we've chosen to define success based on my titles, based on how I look, based on how much money I have, how many cars I drive, where I live. And that, again, is a fallacy. Because at the end of the day, if you're brave enough to be without any of that, who are you? Mm -hmm. You're nobody. You're so lost. You're so afraid to not have money, things, titles, houses, cars. doesn't mean anything. The real successful people are able to find out who they are without any of that. Because most people, first of all, they can't fathom doing that. And if they are brave enough to do it, it scares the hell out of them. Because they're like, I have no identity. I'm nobody. Okay, so if that happens, then what happens? I'm free of everything. When I do that, Kirby, I have, I'm free to be who I want and what I want. Because I am not living up to my bogus expectations. I'm not trying to get the approval of everybody else because they might look better than me or make more money than me. And if I don't, I'm a failure and a loser. I mean, that's a pretty impassioned plea. But that what Albert Einstein wrote down, Kirby, he 
that was a note he gave to a courier apparently because the courier delivered something to him at the imperial tokyo hotel or whatever it was he had no money to tip him he wrote down these words that courier kept that note in 2017 i think it was or so nearly a century later do you know how much that note sold for at an auction no i can't imagine 1.5 million dollars he said forget success he defined success the true way it's supposed to be and it was worth 1.5 million dollars and people don't see it all they see is like wow that's a lot of money that's awesome i want to be rich and wealthy no success isn't any of that (laughs) right now and that totally redefines it. it doesn't mean you can't have all that have all of it i want you to have all of it i want to have all of it but i also want to be happy calm modest and joyful that's a tough one because you were talking about uh 10x and guy talking about how awesome he is and i met people i meet people who are so successful they can't get out of their own way they're so proud of their accomplishments and it's it's sad because they're lost because if they take that away if they wake up tomorrow without it they're dead yeah like it's i mean i'm telling you right now because i uh, i did it to myself because I took it all away. I didn't have to. I believed I had to struggle and suffer to experience it. You don't, but man, I'm telling you, it's so awesome. So success to me is if I'm able, I can have all those things, but if I'm able to be calm, modest, and joyful and share it with others, I'm, I'm, I'm a winner. I'm successful. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. I mean, I could dive into so many things from there. Um, and I have so many more questions for you. Uh, we could be here all day, really. Um, so what, what will be your ripple effect? It's what we're doing right now. Yeah. It's, you know, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for having me on. Uh, I, for me, it's, it's, you know, if I get one more person just to kind of just say, hmm, okay, and ask why. And, and face their fears and just to leave that positive impact, because I'm telling you right now, for most people, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen for me. I would listen to all these people. I'm like, this is bogus. But the more you do it, you, you, you enroll in the gradual part and you commit to it and, and just keep, do, be, be nice to yourself for 40 seconds a day. It'll lead to 40 minutes or lead to four hours. And then you just do it and you don't even know it. That's the ripple effect. It's what you're doing. It's what I'm doing. And um, uh, yeah, let, let's, let's keep doing it. And I would love to, I would love to circle back with you and continue the dialogue. Like you said, I could talk about this all yeah. day with you. Yeah. You know, I think what you're saying there was um, start with tiny habits, allow that momentum to grow. And, you know, before you know it, I mean, you're crushing big goals. I mean, you know, you don't even have to, you just focus on here and now and all that stuff eventually takes care of itself. Um, Really powerful stuff. So you got a book um, coming out. Um, I know you earlier, you said like five or six books you've already written, but um, you got another one coming out and it's called assholes to angels and change to change of mind in the workplace and the world. So um, just give us a snippet of that. Yeah, well, this one's a novel. It's based actually on my experience in life and career. And it's really talking about, uh, yeah, it's really talking about the working world and leadership and how you lead as an individual. Um, And 
it goes down the it goes down the spiritual path. It goes down. It starts out with birth and my experiences in childhood because life on the playground as a sixth grader is not really much different than life in the in the boardroom as a sixty year old. We still act like these these kids. You might have a knucklehead who's a total jerk to you in school on the playground. You find that person in the boardroom, and you feel like you might not have a voice. You might not have a say. And it's a matter of believing in yourself because I sat at tables with executives and I'm like, who, who am I to be here? But I knew because I deserved to be there just as much as that they did. But it also calls out, and this is all perspective, Kirby. It could have been a book about, oh man, all these companies stink, leaders stink. I'm like, some of them do. There are great leaders out there. But I had to change my perspective, but leadership has to change their perspective and they have to learn to lead with love. It's not taught in the universities. It's not taught in the schools. If you're a real leader, you're able to lead with love and embrace your people. How do you do it? Right. And I talk about Tony Robbins books, money. He talks about that in there. And I talk about the, the challenger sale and I talk about the wisdom of failure. I've researched this. I've actually done it myself in the corporate world. And I've shown that I was very successful when I actually led with love. I learned to love my people, to uplift them, to make them better personally and professionally the best that I could. And the numbers, the, I'm taking care of the names. I'm loving the names and the numbers still resulted. Most people are so engrossed in the numbers, they're afraid. And when things go sideways, they hound people, they pound them, they put more numbers and metrics on them. And if that doesn't work, they just, the people are disconnected. And that's all left brain management. I'm talking about loving your people and there's a shift that has to take place. I'm telling you right now, this was pre-pandemic and true leaders are able to lead with love and have that delicate balance between loving their names and love your numbers just as much, but you can't go too far either way, but it's just my journey and my perspective of how I worked my way up in the corporate world. I worked with a bunch of a-holes who I thought were a-holes. Some were, some weren't. I had to change my perspective and it's really bringing it to the surface to, because most people feel they don't have a voice. And most people, if they want to change their career, they say, I can't, it's like that everywhere. And I'm telling you right now, Kirby, if it's like that everywhere, then something definitely has to change. That's, that's my book. <laughs> I appreciate that, Tom. I mean, that, that, that's just a, a powerful message really to end on. Uh, so please tell us where we can find you. Um, and if you have anything else that you would like to add. Thank you. Yeah, my website, please visit my website, tomcorner.net, T-O-M-C-O-R-N-E-R.net. Uh, you can also, I mean, I have a web address for my book as well, assholes2angels.com if you want, but it's available on tomcorner.net. You can check me out on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, on LinkedIn. If anybody would love to connect with me, please reach out via my website or email me inspire at tomcorner.net thank you kirby this has been awesome yeah thank you i mean we'll drop all the links to you know all of the social media accounts and how to pre-order the book and everything else uh, in the show notes um and uh i just want to thank you um thank you for the deep dive and uh i want the way i want to describe it is a, an intimate conversation about really just life in general um it's probably been one of the the more intimate conversations that i think we've had so far so um hopefully that's the way they continue to go yeah so <laughs> i appreciate will. it 
and uh, maybe we can hook up and have another conversation because, like I said, I only asked half the questions that I had planned for today. So, <laughs> love to do it. Yeah, thank you again. I appreciate it. Thanks, Gary. See you. Now it's up to you to put all this information into action. Please check out the links in the show notes and support us by smashing that like button. Leave a comment or review on whatever platform you might be listening to. Now go out and share this story forward. My name is Kirby Ingalls and I appreciate you listening. Honor your service to others and love the impact you are creating. I'll see you next time.